Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time On September 3rd, 2017, the world lost one of the most respected and admired American songwriters and musicians, Walter Becker. Along with partner Donald Fagan, Becker wrote some of the most memorable songs from the 1970s that have not only become a staple of classic rock radio, but have been revered by fans and critics alike. Walter Carl Becker was born in the Forest Hill section of Queens, New York on February 20th, 1950. His father sold paper gutting machinery that was imported from Germany for a company that had offices in Manhattan near the city's printing district. But when Becker was a young boy, his parents separated, and his mother, who was British, moved to England. Becker's father would spend one month per year in Germany for his job, and when Becker was 16, his father had a heart attack but survived. Soon after, he brought his father to the airport for one of his trips overseas, and one month later on the return trip, he died on the plane. Like his partner Donald Fagan, he was a jazz fan at an early age and listened to many of the same late-night jazz programs broadcast from Manhattan radio stations. As a child, his first instrument was one that Fagan would play live when the duo began performing again in the 90s, the melodica. Soon after, he switched to the saxophone, inspired by one of his idols, Charlie Parker. However, the amount of practice needed to master the instrument proved too much for him, and he dropped it. For Becker, third time's the charm, and his choice of instrument, the guitar, would be the one that he would eventually master. He began taking lessons from a neighbor in his building named Randy Wolf. Wolf met Jimi Hendrix at Manny's Music, played some slide guitar for him, and impressed him to the point that Hendrix invited him to join his band Jimmy James and the Blue Flames on stage at the Café Wa for their first gig at the venue that night. Since the bass player was named Randy Palmer, Hendrix began calling Palmer Randy Texas and Wolf Randy California after their home states. In 1967, Randy California would found the band Spirit with his stepfather, Ed Cassidy. Becker once again became frustrated with the amount of work necessary to master guitar technique and decided to temporarily switch to the bass guitar because the idea of a four-stringed instrument would make learning less complicated. When Fagan first met Becker at Bard College a few years later, though, it was his blues guitar playing, much of which he gleaned from Randy California, that would initially impress him and be the foundation of a long and fruitful musical relationship that would change the face of rock music. After graduating from Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan, Becker enrolled at Bard College, where Fagan was already in his junior year. He immediately noticed something about the myriad bands playing around the campus. They all had the same leader, Donald Fagan. He approached him to offer his services as a bass player, but unfortunately for Becker, the bass player in these bands owned all of the equipment and was also on the entertainment committee at Bard. His position was secure for the time being while Becker sat on the sidelines and watched. Soon after, Fagan was walking past the Red Balloon, one of the buildings on campus that was used as an on-campus music venue for the student body, and heard an unreal guitarist who sounded like Howlin' Wolf. Fagan was used to hearing and playing with guitarists around campus that had embraced the surf sound that was prevalent in many of the white bands of the day. This was something different, a bluesy, vibrato-laden, sustain-inducing sound that was full of soul. He walked in and found a baby-faced Becker playing his red Epiphone hollow-body guitar. 
They immediately realized they had a lot in common. Both were into jazz and blues as kids in the late 50s and early 60s, which was quite odd at the time, and listened to many of the same jazz radio shows that emanated from New York City. Although they were more like beatniks than hippies, they were fans of the Beatles' music and Bob Dylan's lyrics, something that would play a significant role in their songwriting and the creation of Steely Dan. They were also interested in literature and were voracious readers, and both possessed a dark sense of humor. They were interested in nonconformity and enjoyed being bookish, snarky members of this subculture. Although Fagan was unable to offer Becker a position as a bass player, he did bring him on as a guitarist, and soon after, the other three guitarists, who Becker described as really bad, were let go. It comes as no surprise that both Becker and Fagan's attitudes toward rock and roll would change when they heard the Beatles. Becker's first exposure to the group came in a Woolworths when he heard no reply from the group's seventh release in the U.S., Beatles 65. That song convinced him that there was more to rock and roll music than three chords. For Fagan, the song that changed his perspective was their number one single from 1965, Ticket to Ride, heard on his radio one summer evening. The Beatles, Bob Dylan, and the Rolling Stones helped to realign Becker and Fagan with rock music, and while they consider the 60s to be the most creative period of rock music, they also understood the significance and influence that the original rock and roll and R&B music, played predominantly by African Americans, had on the bands from the UK. Although their relation from much of Steely Dan's music would come from a similar avenue, but with the important addition of another musical influence not commonly heard in rock music, jazz. Becker and Fagan had such an instant rapport that they immediately began writing songs together at an upright piano in a sitting room in the lobby of a building on the Bard campus known as The Manor. Their similar tastes in music, literature, and humor created songs that would leave them in hysterics. It was almost as if they were trying to outdo each other with sheer absurdity, something that would make their early material hard to sell once they left Bard and began their careers as professional songwriters in New York City and later Los Angeles. Although Becker and Fagan and other original Dan members Danny Dias and Jim Hodder never worked with any of the Beatles as solo artists, guitarist Jeff Skunk Baxter played on Ringo Starr's 1992 release Time Takes Time on the tracks All in the Name of Love and Runaways, both produced by Phil Ramone, who also produced McCartney's Spies Like Us, worked with him on a number of tracks in 86 and 87, and produced Julian Lennon's debut album The Lot, as well as the follow-up The Secret Value of Daydreaming. There was also another strong connection between the two bands. A number of the most in-demand session musicians contributed to albums by Steely Dan and the former members of the Beatles. Bassist Will Lee, who played on unreleased tracks from Steely Dan's Gaucho, as well as on Donald Fagan's debut as a solo artist, The Nightfly, is a co-founder of The Fab Foe, one of the most renowned Beatles cover bands in the world. The son of bassist Abe Laboriel, who played on Fagan's Nightfly album, is Abe Laboriel Jr., McCartney's drummer for the past 15 years. And who could forget drummer Bernard Purdy, who has the strangest connection to both Steely Dan and the Beatles. In an interview for Gig Magazine in 1978, he claimed that he played on 21 tracks of the Beatles' first three albums, including one entitled Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. While this is a preposterous statement, there is some truth to the fact that he overdubbed drums on some Beatles recordings. In 1964, Atgo Records bought the rights to three songs that the group recorded in Germany with Tony Sheridan, Ain't She Sweet, Take Out Some Insurance on Me Baby, and Sweet Georgia Brown. Since Pete Best's drumming was weak on these tracks, Atgo decided to overdub additional drums in order to make them punchier for release. Purdy, who was under contract with Atgo, was the drummer hired for these sessions. So in fact, he did play on a few tracks by the Beatles, or in this case, the Beat Brothers. When asked about their use of session musicians and their decision to stop touring in the early 70s, 
Fagan quipped, The Beatles had long before set the example of concentrating on records and not touring, and we were arrogant enough to follow their example. We split up shortly after, too. We were following their example to the letter, and now we're back together just like they are. We never make a move without consulting the Beatle chronology. Tonight we're going to play some tracks that feature Becker as lead guitarist, bassist, as well as reluctant vocalist. We're going to begin with a pre-Steely Dan demo of one of the few Becker and Fagan compositions on which they didn't write the lyrics, Mock Turtle Song. That task fell to Charles Dodgson, better known by his pseudonym, Lewis Carroll. The lyrics come from the song The Lobster Quadrille, a parody of The Spider and the Fly, sung by the Mock Turtle in Chapter 10 of Carroll's book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Becker takes the lead vocals, singing in a surprisingly confident manner with himself, Fagan, and singer Keith Thomas, providing some effective background vocals. The laid-back groove with marimba and tambourine create the perfect backdrop for future Steely Dan member Denny Dyess' flawless bebop-influenced guitar solo. Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, won't you join the dance? 
We'll follow with the band's second top 20 hit, Reeling in the Years. The song features the stinging guitar work of Elliot Randall. Randall knew Becker and Fagan from New York and had played some gigs with them when they backed Jay and the Americans and also played on some of their early demos. Jeff Baxter also knew Randall, and when he was unable to nail a satisfactory guitar lead for the song, he invited him over to take a stab at it. His first pass, which some at the session say was better, wasn't recorded. He took a second pass and the song was complete with no editing or punch-ins. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin stated that it is his favorite guitar solo of all time. The quadraphonic mix we'll deconstruct tonight has some extra guitar fills played by Randall. We're going to continue with a track from Steely Dan's fourth album and the first to heavily rely on session musicians, 1975's Katie Lied. Bad Sneakers is arguably the smoothest song recorded by Steely Dan at that point and is a true sign of what we're in for. In some ways, it's almost like a mini-Asia, with the crack rhythm section of Jeff Picaro, Chuck Rainey, Michael Amartian, and Steely Dan newbie guitarist Hugh McCracken, who played on McCartney's Ram LP, deftly moving from one disparate section to the next. On the final record, Becker turns in a fabulous solo ripping from the start while demonstrating his jazz and blues phrasing in spades. Although we often spent many hours working out his solos, tonight we're going to hear an early take with a live solo played by Becker.
spent a lot of time The trip we made to Hollywood is etched upon my mind After all the things we've done and seen You find another man The things you think are useless I can't understand
Next up, one track from Asia and two tracks from Gaucho, Steely Dan's last album release before they took a 20-year sabbatical from the studio. Session drummer extraordinaire and Beatles confidant and a regular fixture on their solo sessions, Jim Keltner, played on Josie, surprisingly the only time he would perform on a Steely Dan song. Chuck Rainey laid down the bass part that was primarily written by Becker, and while his interpretation included many of his own devices, the majority of the part was conceived before the tracking date. The rhythm guitarist played by Larry Carlton and Dean Parks give the song its signature sound from the first note, played in harmony with a sinister edge. Becker provides the guitar solo, his third on the Asia album. His bluesy approach to soloing is extremely unique, and as one of the songwriters, his style was often exactly what the song needed. He was, however, notorious for spending an hour per bar when tracking a solo. Becker not only plays bass on both Gaucho and Time Out of Mind, but also plays guitar, contributing the soulful solo on the title track, which opens side two of the album. As was par for the course during the recording of Gaucho, the title track took what seemed like forever to capture. Guitarist Steve Kahn had tried the song with a few different rhythm sections, but Becker and Fagan weren't happy with the results. Kahn returned with the rhythm section of Jeff Beccaro on drums, Anthony Jackson on bass, Rob Mouncey on piano, and Victor Fellman on percussion. They recorded the song for four hours before taking a well-deserved break. They felt they had the take, but the songwriters didn't, so they continued for another four hours until Becker and Fagan gave up and went home for the night, along with percussionist Fellman. The rest of the musicians recorded eight more full takes with producer Gary Katz, leaving the studio at 5 o'clock in the morning. The next day, the duo thanked the band for their extra effort and edited together a drum track that they were happy with. They discarded the rest of the tracks that were already recorded and built the song around Picaro's slinky groove, with Fagan playing Fender Rhodes electric piano and synthesizer, Becker on bass and lead guitar, Steve Kahn on rhythm guitar, Rob Mouncey on piano, and Crusher Bennett on percussion. Tom Scott played the tenor saxophone solo and wrote a horn chart for sax and trumpet, and Leslie Miller, Valerie Simpson, and Patty Austin added the sublime background vocals. When Becker and Fagan were interviewed by musician, player, and listener magazine's David Breskin in 1981, he mentioned that the title track resembled pianist Keith Jarrett's song, Long As You Know You're Living Yours, from his album Belonging. Fagan responded, We were heavily influenced by that particular piece of music. Hell, we steal. We're the robber barons of rock and roll. Jarrett sued for copyright infringement, and due to the similarity between the two songs, and Becker and Fagan's comments in the interview, he was added as a co-author on future pressings of the album. Time Out of Mind, an ode to smoking heroin written at Fagan's Malibu home before the duo returned to New York, is another track from Gaucho that utilized engineer Roger Nichols' game-changing drum machine, Wendell, which manipulated the performance of drummer Rick Murata. Becker once again laid down both bass and rhythm guitar along with Hugh McCracken, and Fagan played piano, Fender Rhodes, electric piano, and synthesizer for the majority of the song. But there was a catch that wasn't exposed in the original liner notes. During the solo, keyboard player Rob Mouncey, who also arranged the five-piece horn section, played the same three instruments for the elaborate instrumental section, but since it was difficult to credit it in such a way, Fagan was credited with electric piano and synthesizer, and Mouncey with piano. The three female background vocalists featured on Goucher were back, but with a secret weapon, Michael McDonald, in his only appearance on the album. Something that was different about the guitar solo for Time Out of Mind was the fact that they brought in a guitarist who wasn't a session musician for the track. Gary Katz had gotten an advanced copy of Dire Straits' eponymous debut LP in 78, and they were all impressed with Mark Knopfler's guitar style, hoping to use him on a future date. They gave him a tape in advance, which they didn't normally do, but he wasn't a reader, and he was a bit uptight during the session, unaccustomed to their working method of asking a solo to try something different with each take. Some have complained that it wasn't prominent enough in the mix, 
but it's all over the song from start to finish. And Becker and Fagan were quite pleased with Knopfler's work, regardless of what the guitarist thought of them or the session.
Just when I say, boy, we can't miss You are golden, then you do this You say this guy is so cool Snapping his fingers like a fool One more expensive kiss off Who do you think I am? Lord, I know you're a special friend But you don't seem to understand We got heavy rollers, I think you should know Try again tomorrow Can't you see they're laughing at me? Get rid of him, I don't care what you do at home Would you care to explain? Who is the gaucho amigo? Why is he standing in your spangled leather poncho and your elevator shoes? Bodacious cowboys such as your friend will never be welcome here. High in the Custodome. Your friend 
We're going to follow with Walter Becker's first and only lead vocal on a Steely Dan song, Slang of Ages from 2003's Everything Must Go. The song was originally supposed to be sung by Fagin, but since it didn't really have a vocal melody for the verse, they decided that Becker's approach to a lead vocal would work for this simple, mid-tempo funk song. 
The subject matter of the next song, Godwhacker, is at odds with its relentless groove. But that's nothing new for a Steely Dan song. Numerous journalists interpreted the lyrics as anti-Bush and anti-terrorist, but it seems more straightforward than that. A vigilante that's tracking down God to punish him for the ills of the world. John Harrington lays down the devious-sounding guitar line as Hugh McCracken adds some chordal elements and Becker plays sneaky lead lines on top. Fagan takes the first solo played on a synth harmonica patch, followed by Becker on guitar, the first time they both take solos on a Dan record, and their intimidating approach echoes the alarming sentiment of the lyrics. Let me put it this way, darling. No, it's getting late. I can tell from the planes of your face that you're from out of state. Then the willows, now here's the deal. Tomorrow's for squares and tonight's for real. From the Netherlands Or was that Netherworld If you grew up In Amsterdam Well then I'm the Duke of Earl These tabs look iffy But you say they're good Let's roll with the homies And knock on wood Drop me off in groove time Slang of ages, show me where I Me with 
slang me. Who rip and chop and slice For crimes beyond imagination 
imagining it's time to pay the price You better step back some Give the man some work and space You know this might get messy Close the show with something a little different for the multi-track meltdown. Earlier this year, I released the book The Steely Dan FAQ, all that's left to know about this elusive band, and decided I wanted to have a musical companion to the book. I chose 10 songs that Becker and Fagan had written, but never officially released. Although there were piano and band demos of the songs available on bootlegs, they were never properly recorded, so I decided to produce an album of these songs entitled The Steely Dan Sessions, Interpretations of Unrealized Classics. Tonight we're going to play the opening track, The Bear Got You. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Anthony Robostelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and the Steely Dan FAQ. Hope you enjoyed this tribute to Steely Dan's Walter Becker on the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. You can pick up the books at any of your favorite booksellers or online at Amazon, TheBeatlesIWantToTellYou.com, or AnthonyRobostelli.com. You can also purchase the Steely Dan sessions at AnthonyRobostelli.com, CD Baby, Amazon, iTunes, or stream it on Spotify. See you next week.